Well, welcome back to the study in the book of Ephesians. We're going through the book of Ephesians in a month of lunges, so we're trying to keep in that 14-15 minute range there for you. And uh, we got a lot of ground to cover today, so let's just pick right up where we left off in verse and this is our 17th message, so we're going to we're really rounding that rounding that corner. Uh, so Sorry, 16th. This is lesson 16. I apologize. And uh, let's pick up in verse 16 of chapter 4. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So this is unity. Remember, unity is not uniformity. Uh, it, you, you can be unique and function, but united in purpose. So my function helps you grow. Your function helps me grow. We all get total health in the body by each of us doing what we're called and created to do. Uh, it's just like health in a regular body. Uh, if you get sick, they treat symptoms, right? You get a pill to treat this symptom. You get a pill to treat that symptom. You get a pill to treat that illness. You get a pill or, or treat chemotherapy to treat cancer and so on and so forth. But a healthy body doesn't take pills for certain things. A healthy body stays healthy by just getting proper nutrition. What do we need? We need things like vitamins, minerals. We need uh, trace metals inside of us. We need water. We need all these things. We need proteins, the building blocks, carbohydrates, um, healthy fats, and all these different things go into a healthy body. When the body gets everything it needs, it tends to be healthy, so nutrition helps every area of the body to be healthier. And so, in the body of Christ, this comes through uh, on an individual level, being in the Word of God, being in prayer, letting God lead you and guide you, sometimes into those seasons of prayer and study, and sometimes uh, reaching people, but just whatever He's, he's working in us, to work out of us, he's the one who does that too. And that's that's a healthy body. Also, uh, more corporately, is being in a godly church that God has called and sent you to. Being, and then once you're there, being planted. Uh, the church hoppers don't tend to be healthy. Their roots start to grow and then they pull out and go to another one. It'd be like if you had a plant here and another plant beside it, and one plant you just left alone, and the other plant every every week or two, you would uproot it and, and put it in a different soil and different jar. Identical plants in, a, in six, eight months' time, the plant that has been rooted in the same pot and the same soil the whole time is going to be flourishing and growing much better than the one that was repotted and resoiled every every couple weeks. Same is true in the body of Christ. It's important to be connected with people um, with same like faith. To be over godly leaders who are watching out for your souls in a way that pleases God and not on their own power trip or pleasing themselves. Um, so we talked about last time that my function, yes, can help you grow, but also you don't have to be in the five-fold ministry for your function to help me grow. I might be teaching, but I can be around someone who helps me grow. There are a lot of people that are at my uh, that are around me at, at Heartland Church that 
are behind the scenes. They're they're never you're never going to see them at a, on a pulpit probably or or even in front of a camera, but they they help me grow, just like the teaching gifts will help someone grow, and they bring health to the body of Christ. Uh, stunted growth occurs when someone does not allow the gifts that God's given them to function properly with other believers and in the church. Um, so you notice that body growth is focused on by God, not just personal growth. We are seen as uh, having gifts and having fruit that we, that we have, right? What do gifts and fruits of the Spirit have in common? Two things. They come from God. Second thing they have in common is they're not for the person who has them. If I have gifts, those gifts are to give to bless other people. If I have fruit, that fruit is to bless other people. Just like other people's gifts and fruits are not to bless them, they're to bless others, including myself. We're not called to be just individual plants. We're called to be like the... If you've ever been to California, one of the things... I didn't get to see it when I was in California. Uh, there's not a, I'm not a big fan of going out on those long trips west, but if I ever went to California again, one of the things I'd love to see is the redwood forest. These are ancient trees that have been around forever, and they're so big that they make tunnels, roads, and roads go through them, and cars drive through two-lane traffic underneath them, and they're still alive and healthy. What is the secret to this is... If you were to be able to see through the soil, you would see that all these redwood forest trees have their roots entangled and intertwined with each other. So that if one is going through a, a, a storm, it can draw on the resources of other trees in the area. And that root system of all the trees together are what allow them to grow giant and live hundreds of years and still be growing stronger and healthier. That is what the church is called to be, interconnected and growing mature and healthy. All right, verse 17. With the Lord's authority I say this, this is Paul talking, live no longer as Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Okay, well that is uh, bad news if you're on the wrong side of that, but good news if you're not. So don't live the way you used to live because... Plain and simple, we're not the same people we used to be. That's what he's saying to these people too. And he's talking to Jews as well, but especially to the Gentiles. They were so far lost and outside of any knowledge of God that they were void of purpose and any kind of goal. That's what he says by hopelessly confused, basically avoid a purpose or goal. Verse 18 goes on to elaborate. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God from the life God gives them, gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. So you could see this played out. A real clear picture of this is in Romans 1. It talks about the power of the gospel. Then it says that the power of gospel is clearly evident uh, or is, uh, is available to everybody. Then it says that uh, the knowledge of God is evident in creation. And it talks about uh, just... You can see that there is a creator by looking at the creation. And you have a choice to accept that or just to decide that you don't want to have that truth and basically push that truth down until it hardens you. And then if you and then, and you go away from God. If you can't get to the entry-level truth about God, 
it's really hard to get any further than that. You're gonna get, you're gonna be moving away from God, and when you move away from God and into the darkness, it hardens your hearts and it and it closes your mind and it brings a lot of bad fruit. Um, and that's the condition of everybody who's without Jesus. Uh, so it's really important when a truth is revealed that we do not suppress it, whether we're a brand new Christian or been saved 20 years. That's how deception comes. That's also how temptation works. Satan tries to draw us away from being secure in the truth of God and being in the peace of other believers. And he tries to get us out isolated and pull us away so that we're exposed so that he can deceive us and draw us away from God and his plan. Verse 19 says, They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So it goes from the further away from God you get, the more that, that, uh, more that things go off the rails. So it said, they're trying to fill a void that only God can fill by running away from God. It's the definition of insanity, right? Uh, they, they now refuse to be ashamed as they chase after pleasure after pleasure after pleasure trying to fill that hole. They're, they have no concern for personal standards anymore. They don't care. And they have no, uh, no worry about societal sa- sanctions. Now, in our culture, it's going to where this kind of behavior is celebrated and godly behavior is persecuted. That's okay. That just means the Bible's more relevant in our lives than it ever has been. So there's always a bright side of that because God's truth can withstand the storm and attack of anything in the world. Um, but looking at their sinful pleasures, they're going after lust and impurity. And it, this stuff points to greed and to sexual sin and all this depravity that we see in our society. But I love verse 20 is just a real clear statement. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. All that stuff destroys, leaves us empty and blank and void and hopeless. And Christ taught us a whole different lesson, didn't he? Uh, Christ brings light and shines light on those sinful pleasures and gives us a chance to see and be ashamed, maybe for the first time ever, and brings shame to those deeds and gives us a chance to repent. We saw in uh, in John, uh, in the book of the Gospel of John, it talks about um, people love the light or drawn to light, but or people love the darkness because their deeds are evil. There are people that when the light shines on it, they're going to be angry and their deeds are evil and they want to stay out of the light. But there are people who get to see themselves for what they really are and have that prodigal son moment and come to themselves and realize, I'm a mess and I I have nothing good to offer God, but I'm I'm just going to turn to Him. And God will always respond. So it says, verse 21, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him. You know, or we could say in Hebrews, faith comes by hearing hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So what does it say that since we've heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from Him? Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Now this is impossible without turning to Jesus because... We can't make ourselves right, righteous, or right with God. But I I love this. um, If you remember the story where Jesus was passing through and there was a blind beggar, Bartimaeus, uh, 
and he he heard that Jesus was passing through, and this is when Jesus's ministry was in full swing, so the miracles were already coming through there. And he hears Jesus, and he calls out, "Son of David, have mercy on me!" And they're all telling him, "Hush, hush, be quiet." And then he keeps crying out even louder. He's like he wouldn't be denied. Son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus said, bring him here. And all the people around like, oh, hey, he wants you. Okay, whatever there. But his response is so telling. He threw off his beggar's robe and went straight to Jesus and asked for his sight to be restored, believing that Jesus can and would do it. And he knew so much so that he no longer, he, he abandoned his status as a beggar and received what God had for him. And he was healed. And so that is what we can do is we see he shines the light on our situation and we see our true condition. We just cry out, have mercy on us and, 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 and heal the areas in our life that are so hopelessly gone. Even the areas of spiritual blindness that we can't even see what's wrong, bring, bring sight to that, bring light to that, bring change to that. And it said to, in verse 23, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. This goes back to letting go and letting God. Spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, spending time around other believers, spending time in church together, worshiping together. There's something about corporate worship. Whew. Um, it changes us inside. We reflect on, to reflect that change outwardly, it has to start inside and it has to start with a new way of thinking. Or as Romans 12 would say, do not be conformed to the world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That renewing of the mind comes through time with God, through His Word, through prayer, through worship, all these things around other believers. And, uh, Verse 24 says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So we ask him to have mercy on us, and, he's, and we can, through faith, strip off these old garments. And we know that the new garments are in Christ. We are the righteousness of Christ. And we'll pick up right there tomorrow.